Please put hey. a thumb in the air. Hey. Broad Street Hockey Radio, that's right, BSH Radio. My name is Bill Matz, and I am back, fam. That's right, after a uh, week hiatus, I really missed you all. I really missed I really missed the three of you. I missed all of the listeners. I missed, uh, honestly, getting attention, because, <laughs> because that's why I'm in this business. Pretty, pretty on brand, Bill. <laughs> My name is Bill Matz. I'm your director of Fun and Games for the evening. We have a lot to get to tonight, so I kind of just want to get right into it. So let's get to the intros. Uh, let's start it out with... Stephalicious D. Steph Driver. I tagged you in all the tweets that I did about you not being here. You still got some attention. I need it. I really missed it. It was just, you know, I needed more attention. So (laughs) I needed people to tell me I did good. Um, My quick hit this week is that I'm in love with Travis Konechny and Nolan Patrick and their friendship. And I need somebody to develop a TV show around the two of them. I was like, going to say follow someone, them around. Someone should write a script. Just it's they really don't need a script. Beautiful. They don't need a script. So Nolan oh, Patrick had show. yeah, just okay. follow them around. Yeah, because like Nolan Patrick had a rough weekend with getting some some hits and headshots, and Travis Konechny was right there the whole time, even when we got to get Ian Laperriere away from these guys before something bad happens. <sighs> Seriously, stop blocking shots with your. Head. I don't think he meant. No, he definitely, no, he he definitely, definitely did not mean to. He, he didn't. Yeah. He didn't mean to, but I'm just saying, he's bleeding on the ice and Travis Konechny is right there helping him he off and just stop. whispering to him the whole time that he he's needs, okay. He needs to stop being in compromised positions. Yes. Nolan Patrick does. He sure does. He's had a run in bad Travis Konechny does kind of fit as a sitcom character. It really yes. does. Like he's wacky enough that it works. No, it's perfect. He's <laughs> extremely the two, wacky. The two of them, of, uh, just cameras. That's it. That's all I need. He reminds me of E from Entourage for some reason. I don't anyway, like that. From TheAthletic.com, <laughs> Charlie O'Connor. I wrote this in my uh, my ten things article after uh, after Sunday's game that was published this morning, but I'll reiterate it here. I think this the the Sunday game against the Islanders. I think it might have been the first time since Phil Myers has come up where I felt like all of Ivan Provorov, Travis Sanheim, Shane Gosper, and Phil Myers all had a good game hold on, hold on the on. same day. Can you repeat those four names for me? Ivan Provorov slowly. Travis Sanheim, <sighs> Shane Gosper. Phil Myers. Oh okay. my. Yep, I'm done. Right. <laughs> <laughs> my, my, my point is, is it was watching them all play well on the same day for the same team. It was just like, man, if this works, this is going to be really good. Mm-hmm. It's, I mean, we've wait. it's been like 10 years, right? Mm-hmm. Like we've been waiting for this for <laughs> at least feels like a long time. Like remember when the, the Flyers best defense him was like, a chemo team and a new couldn't skate anymore. Yeah. Like, and he was actually their best defense. Really like, yeah, he's kind of risking his life being out there, but he might still be our most effective guy. Mm-hmm. And one of his legs doesn't really work. Last but certainly not least, the fly by herself, Kelly Hinkle. So, speaking of Phil, to piggyback off of Charlie a bit, I like very rarely get on board with a good hockey player from the jump because I tend to like, you know, goofball role players like Dan Carcillo. Like, like the Anvil. Yeah, like yeah, you, I I'm not really on I heard board. You all talking shit about my nickname. All right. Oh, go ahead. I'm sorry. But I just want to say that it feels really good to have been so damn right about Phil Myers because <laughs> I'm obsessed with him and he's so good. Uh, it's I'm, amazing. I'm That's really, how I feel about Travis Sanheim. I'm really yeah. happy that those two don't stink. And a lot of this show will be built around uh, Travis Sanheim, Phil Myers. We'll get to them in a minute. But I want to talk about a guy who deserves, I think, a little bit more credit uh, for the development of a few of the players we're going to be talking about in a few minutes. And the guy I want to talk about, his name, maybe you've heard of him, is Claude Giroux. Mm, yeah. Specifically, I want to talk about Giroux's role as a leader and as, obviously, the captain of the team. Oh, good. Now, we know he's not Wayne Simmons, and we know he's probably not delivering, you know, the, the fiery speech in the locker room and all that kind of stuff that we, like, stereotypically associate with a captain. He's never been that guy. Uh, G has always been called a leader by example, and this is one of those instances where it is really been on display. 
He took a less than he took on a less than ideal role for the benefit of the team, moving back to center and playing between a pair of wingers who, while I enjoy what they bring offensively, don't do much to help out before they're on offense. Uh, G's numbers suffered for it. He went on a bit of a production lull from twelve twenty nine to two twenty one, seventeen points in twenty five games. Now, nearly seven-tenths of a point of a game is still pretty respectable, uh, but this is G we're talking about. He's a points producer, and in 15 of those 25 games, he recorded zero points. That's not what he does. But now we're seeing it pay dividends because he had to take on that role so that Nolan Patrick could develop some confidence so that the rest of the young forwards could find a role for themselves, find what they were doing, really come along. And we're going to get to the numbers in a minute. It's worked. It has all worked. It has benefited the top nine as a whole. When you look at what Limblom has done, what Patrick has done, what Konechny has done, all of these guys have stepped up immensely in this time. And I think a lot of it has to do with what Claude Giroux did, taking on a role where his numbers were going to dip. But now the team scores a lot of goals, and it's not just him. And in case you were worried about him, he had nine points in his last five games. I think he's okay. I think he's just fine. Including... That game winner in overtime against the Pittsburgh Penguins that I believe it was played outside. Yeah, it might have been. Just like this little little event. That was okay, I guess. I just wanted, as someone who was one of the, hey, we need to move on from G before (laughs) he really declines people, uh, I always want to make sure I talk about how wrong I was there. (laughs) No, Bill, I think that's a, it's a really good point. I didn't, I didn't quite think of it that way, but now that you say it, 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 you're right. You're absolutely right in that he took on a role for quite a while that, it just wasn't clicking. Like, that line by the end was bad. And basically, when we asked Gordon, why are you keeping it together? He's like, look, if we weren't winning, I probably would have taken it apart. But everybody else is doing good. And I'm just kind of hoping that they figure it out at some point. And finally, they just weren't going to. So we had to move him up. But part of the reason why he felt willing to make that change is because he was like, well, Nolan Patrick looking pretty good as the third line center. Why don't we try him out as the second or first line center? And it's kind of working before he, like, Almost died three times this weekend. No, oh, yeah, that, there's that. There's always that. The uh, the death of Nolan Patrick is constantly imminent. I suppose <laughs> it but, sucks so much. <laughs> we're like, God, dude, just don't get hit in the head with a puck. Yeah, stop, Jesus. stop that. Uh, but I guess we need to. This is still happening. I, I really thought that by the time I got back from Clearwater, we'd kind of all right. But standings update with 16 games left to play. The Flyers are five points. Behind Montreal and Pittsburgh in the wild card standings, six behind Carolina for third in the division. Uh, they just trounced the Isles, who were leading in the division until like sometime last week. Where are you on the playoffs? Like this thing is happening. What are we like? This thing is not I mean, happening. Like, it's, it's like they're going not on. going to make the playoffs. It's going on right now. They they have as much chance to make it as any of these no, trash no, no, no. teams. So five points behind the the teams that are in the wild card hunt is a lot of points because not only do the Flyers keep playing, but these other teams also keep playing. But uh, five points is a bad weekend. Like, Okay, but the other teams are also playing. Yeah, and they could lose in those games. And so could the Flyers yeah, very easily. Not. The they could, they could on... go on another 10-game skid. Like, it's just not... And, and these two teams, all right, Montreal, we don't, I, I don't have a lot of confidence in Montreal, but Pittsburgh, we know how they are towards the end of the season. Now, nothing would please me more than to see Pittsburgh miss the playoffs. Like, this is the dream. Nothing would make me more giddy than Pittsburgh missing the playoffs. Pittsburgh's blue line and is like ours in 2014. So bad. I, I know this, but... They have a lot more firepower than the Flyers did in 2014. Like, a lot more. The Flyers right now, they've picked up 36 of their last 46 points. They have a 783 winning percentage their last 23 games. I just... What do you want to see? Like I think I'm in, I'm involved. I'm interested. I want to see them push for the playoffs. I don't necessarily think they're going to do it, but it's happening right now. What do you want to see happen? Last week, we t- Kelly, I think in your in your hot take, you talked about how you just want to see people come up. Yeah. But we determined who's left. Yeah. Uh, like what what do you want to see happen in these last sixteen games? So I, sorry. Go ahead. Oh no, go ahead. Go. I was just gonna say I I've I mean I've kind of resolved myself mentally with the fact that they're not going to make the playoffs. But like you're saying, they keep doing this. And like Micah has us, I think, at 18% now. And before we were but at like 12. it was like just 12. like 2%. Yeah, that's like, the thing. It's like, I know it's a super, super, super long shot, but it's not dead yet. And the way things are trending, they kind of maybe could. 
And so it's hard for me, like, emotionally to to not believe that they might be able to, even though logically I know it's probably not going to happen. I, I guess the way I look at it is as 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 weird as this might sound, like I almost don't care whether they make the playoffs or not. And and, and let me explain why. Because if they make the playoffs, they're probably going to slip in as the final wild card, which means they're just going to be literally cannon fodder for the Tampa Bay Lightning. So Listen, like, so like we'll yeah, you're like yeah, it's great. It would be great if they make the playoffs and whatnot. But like they would get crushed by that team. It would even Maybe. be a goddamn series. They, they hung with them. This the season. way I, the way I look at it is this. The stuff that I want to see happen is the exact same stuff that I said I wanted to see happen in January, which is I want to see the young players play up to what I hope is their upside to give me more confidence that they're, the upside we hope they have is actually their upside. And that's happening. And if that happens, the wins are going to become a byproduct of that. So I'm getting what I want right now. Like there, I don't think there's one young player on this team that is playing poorly right now. Like even Gossesburg, I think, has been pretty darn good since the Stadium Series game. Mm-hmm. So there's really not one player on this team that I am invested in seeing him have a good finish of the year that is playing poorly. I'm I'm getting exactly what I want right now. If that results in a miracle playoff berth, that's great. I'm not going to be like jumping for well, joy because I don't think there's anything beyond just getting to the playoffs that this team has in terms of upside. I will jump for joy. But it's good because what it means is that the stuff that I wanted to see happen actually happened. Yeah. I just my my thing right now is while I'm excited I I'm excited like Charlie I the byproduct of the, what's creating the wins is these young players playing real well. Mm-hmm. Like Claude Giroux has turned it on in these last five games, but they're winning. They're on this incredible pace a lot without Giroux being the driver of this thing. And after seeing what happened last year, you wouldn't really think that that was all that possible. Uh, like I'm just thinking, we were supposed to take this big step forward this year. That was the mantra. All the players were like, last year was unacceptable. We have to win a playoff round. Ron Hextall said, this is our pivot year. All that shit that started in the beginning of this year that filled us with such optimism. And now, while they threw away the first four months, three months of the season, they're playing really well. Should yeah. I believe now? Now, obviously, a 783 winning percentage or points percentage, that's not sustainable. But should I believe now that they're an actually good team and they will take this step forward? Or is this just another one of their runs that they do from time to time? Nah, dude, it's time to believe it. I want to believe it. Like, I'm, I'm sitting here like the X-Files. I want to believe. I think at this point, because I've had this discussion a bit on Twitter about the fact that there's no real, and I think, Charlie, you can probably back me up on this, there's no real appreciable difference between Scott Gordon as a coach and Dave Haxtell as a coach, I would say. I don't think, I, I, I think I technically... Think that, I think there are things that Dave Haxtell was better at than Gordon. There are things that Gordon is better at than Hack, but in the... Yeah, if you're looking at it like straight, you know, number rating to number rating, yeah, they're probably pretty similar. But the difference is no one seems to be miserable and hating their lives anymore. Which is one of the things Gordon's a lot better at than Hackstall. And I I honestly think that what was holding these guys back was that they were absolutely friggin' miserable. They hated playing for this guy. They weren't doing it anymore. We talk all the time about, you know, a coach losing the room, and I think that he lost them in like a big, big way. And I don't think that... We really knew that until he was gone, and things kind of turned around pretty quickly. Um, I mean, so- the, yes, but the goaltending has oh, that improved. Too. Oh, for sure. Oh, the goaltending like, is a huge part. And, but, and that's something that they didn't have. No, but the rest of the guys are playing better. That's, they look like, like they, they don't want to kill themselves anymore. Like it's a, it's a, There seems to be a difference, a, a lightness about this team that didn't exist at the start that's, of the season. We're going to get to the numbers for some of these guys in a minute, but... The, the goaltending a huge part, but that's not why Travis Sanheim's all the way all right. the scoring like a first paired like star defenseman like Nolan Patrick looks like well, a we've got a coach that actually six, plays six, him. Well, yeah, uh, and that's sure. the thing. Like I, I feel like if I am to believe that Dave Haxtell was the real root of what was going wrong with this team, and I think that at this point I do believe that. There's no reason for me to think that these guys aren't going to continue to play this way next season. When we talk about the pace they're on. On January 10th, the Flyers won their 16th game of the season, snapping an eight-game losing streak. On March 3rd, the Flyers won their 32nd game. In their last 21 games, they've matched their win total from the first 44. 
this team, how is it, how is it possible that they're able to do this Jekyll and Hyde thing? So, so they, I, they do it regularly. So, so I, I want to jump in here because I, I think there's a, there's, there's a, I guess a, a desire on the part of people to want to look at the second half of this year. This is the real Flyers. This is great. Things fun. Like, what have we said for the past two to three seasons is that this is the most aggressively mediocre team in history. <laughs> in that they get to this, they get eventually get to this place of like basically five hundred hockey, but they do it in the most bizarre, yeah. streaky way possible. And I think they're just still that team. <laughs> they weren't as bad as they were in the first half, and they're not as good as the as the results look in this half. They're basically what they are, which is a team that's a bubble playoff team. And in all honesty, like. That's not the end of the world because they're going to hit the offseason as a as a borderline bubble playoff team, but as a borderline bubble playoff team with over $20 million in cap space to put themselves above that. So like, it's not the worst thing in the world that they're aggressively mediocre, but I would caution anybody who thinks that they're actually good to actually go into that right. I think they're still aggressively mediocre. This is just maybe the most aggressively mediocre thing they've ever done. And that's like but in I think, their I think that the potential for actually good is that even without adding anything, I think that this group of guys, apart from the fourth line, which is a bunch of garbage right now, I I feel like, you know, the idea to to think that Nolan Patrick, who has slow starts every single year of his life, t- I, I think he's actually good. You know what I mean? Like, I, I don't think that that's be... going to be forever with the slow start. Yeah, he needs to stop that. Yeah, yeah, yeah for sure. <laughs> this need... is his second season. Like, I let's know, slow down with but, okay. this being a theme. It's the second season. And 100% of our evidence of watching him, this is who he is. Under Dave Haxtall. Okay. Like, that's it. The, the rest, go play hockey. The rest of the team also started slow under Dave Haxtall. Like, this is not just a one-player thing. They, it's everybody, the entire team, minus, started slow. Minus Nolan Patrick, because he's only played for Dave and now Scott. Like, the whole team started, like, Craig Berube, they started slow. Peter yeah. Laviolette, they started slow. That's why I, I want them to, I want to believe this is an actually good team now, and they're finally taking that step, and we can all celebrate when they add Artemi Panarin or whoever mm-hmm. in the offseason, but I don't, I just don't know yet. I just don't think, like, for and the, my same point for the team goes for somebody like Nolan Patrick. I don't think you can... I don't think with Nolan Patrick you can you can chop his season in half and say, well, let's toss out the first half because now he's good. Like no. he is the same player who sucked in the first half. He is the same player who's good this half. So right now he is what he is. He's a guy who is really streaky, and when he's good, he's good, and when he's bad, he's bad. So like, yeah, you're hoping that in the future he cuts down on the amount of bad times and increases the amount of good times. But right now, he is what he is, which is basically a third-line center. And he just gets there in a weird way because he goes from, <laughs> for, for 30 games, he looks like a fourth-line center, and then for 40 games, he looks like a high-end second-line center. So in aggregate, he's a third-line center, and that's what we have to assume he's going to provide. But yeah, when he shows this, then you're like, well, the upside's there, but he's got to actually get there. And it's the same thing with his team. You can't just say, well, they're bad, or well, they're really good. Like They're somewhere in the middle. They just don't play in the middle. They're either great or awful. Mm-hmm. Let's say, so, Charlie, what you're saying is Nolan Patrick is the Flyers. Well, <laughs> I don't hate that. <laughs> I don't hate it either. So I, I agree with Charlie where I would not say that this is a good team. Like, you watch yeah. them play against Tampa. You watch them play against... Tampa is out the window to me. Okay. They took Tampa well, that, that, overtime. That's a yeah, great twice, team. Yeah, Tampa is not just a great team like for this year. Tampa's no. an all-time great team yeah. right now. I understand that. Alright, so you watch, them, them you watch them play... <laughs> What other good teams would you say? Nashville, uh, Toronto. Toronto, Winnipeg. I mean, they've won some of these games, but in a seven-game series, they're not winning seven yeah, games. Agreed. They're not winning four games. Like, maybe they'll win one, maybe two. But looking at the other good teams in this league, the Flyers are not in the same in the same category. And I'm not saying that, like, it's bad. This is a lost year. Like, they don't... They should not make the playoffs. The team who has fired their coach, who has fired their GM, who has traded one of their star players, should not be making the playoffs. And we shouldn't necessarily put all of our hopes on that. It's okay to not make the playoffs. It's okay. Sidetracking just a minute because you meant you just made reference to Wayne Simmons. Everyone saw the Dumoulin quote today. He didn't hit me in the head. Did Dumoulin say that? Yeah. Nice. My head hit the glass. That's why I had a concussion. Oh, yeah, like everyone, I like didn't. off, like, yeah, so suck it, Penguins fans. I, I'm sure, sure Pittsburgh <laughs> fans are all going to apologize. Yeah, yeah, oh, I'm yeah. sure. <laughs> uh, so, as, as, so we're talking about the team as a whole, but now my question is, 
are these guys, are, is this who these guys really are? Like this, the young players who have stepped up lately. And I want to start with, uh, I, I made reference to the forwards when I was talking about Giroux. But we got to start with Travis Sanheim because, my God, Travis? is this dude just really... He is really impressed of late. Uh, yep. 20, of course, 2014 first-round pick, going to be 23 years old later this month, so still really young. First 34 games, three goals, 10 points. In his last 32, six goals, 19 points. That's .59 points a game. Pretty good. He looks like a first-pair defenseman, at least, especially for this team. So I want to make a distinction here. Like with the point I just made about you know particularly Nolan Patrick, where like you can't separate the first half from the second half. But there's a distinction between a, a situation like Nolan Patrick and a situation like Travis Sanheim, and it's this: Nolan Patrick was getting his his usage from the start. Yeah, it was just in the first two three months of the year he wasn't playing well. Travis Sanheim was not getting the right usage, and then once he did, he took the fuck off. So like that's the kind like I look at Travis Sanheim and I'm like yeah. I think the second half Travis Sanheim might actually be yep. Travis Sanheim because this is the first time he's been used like he should have been used. Sanheim and to some extent Lindblom are the two yes. where yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I sure. think the exceptions are I point to Hackstall and go, no, that was him. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Like yes. Patrick yes. and whatever is up with Patrick, we'll see. Konechny, I, I like Konechny, but he's been up and down this year. I very much blame uh, Travis Sanheim yep. and his lack of production on the dumb head coach Dave Hackstall. Yeah, I've been, yep. on, I've been on the Travis Sanheim train since like day one and but, I'm so I'm yeah. just so impressed with I him mean, I'm, I'm so impressed with his game and also the, the I, I don't know how to say the the muscle that he's added like the, the way that he's taken it seriously like I need to get beefy um and I, these, these are the things that I need to do to get better um and it's noticeable in his game so we talked about this a bit in the slack chat recently and I kind of th- I mean like I think if we were to fast forward four or five years into the future I would not be shocked if Travis Sanheim is the number one defenseman on this team, not Ivan Provorov. I, I think would, that it's going to be like a 1A, 1B situation. But in my mind, I kind of see more in Travis Sanheim than I see in Ivan Provorov. These are all more good, remarkable things. All good problems. Yeah, I know, right? It's not a bad problem. I don't necessarily agree. I think it's just a down year for Ivan Provorov. I'm hoping because well, yeah. Ivan Provorov, while I don't think a lot of the goals he scored last year were necessarily goals he's going to be able to score all the time, a lot of them just kind of squeaked through. And But he scored 17 effing goals last year. Like, I know. That's a big yeah. number for, for most players, let alone a 21-year-old defenseman. So I'm not like writing off Provorov by any no, means. No, no, no. And I'm not yeah, either. I, yeah, I, I very much... It's kind of like... If you have, like, you know, prime Drew Doughty and prime Eric Carlson on your team, like, which one's number one, which one's number two? Like, it's kind of just like they're two sides of the same coin. The Hextall dream of what he was building with this blue line was always mm-hmm. the Nashville. Who's yeah. our number one defenseman? Like, who cares? All of them. Yeah, right? <laughs> like, like, yeah you, you make a case on any given year yeah. for Nashville. Yeah. Oh, Subban's the best one. No, actually, it's Ekholm. Yeah. Nah, Ellis is actually the best defenseman this year. It's like, yeah, because they're all yeah. number one. Yeah, who gives, it doesn't matter. <laughs> uh, but I did want to, because we're watching Sanheim and we're all getting excited over Myers. Uh, Myers has only played seven games, but they're 5-1-1 one, and one in those games. And he's he stood out in a lot of them. Uh, chances the Sanheim Myers duo. I'm not talking about pairings here. I'm just talking about duos. Chances the Sanheim Myers combo better than the Ghost Provorov because they're kind of like Ghost and Provorov came into prominence together. Ghost a little bit before, but then Provorov's added to the mix, and they're such a good pair last season. And now Sanheim and Myers kind of coming into prominence together. I mean, this year to be to be fair, and I, I understand the point you're getting at, but. Burrow is the same age as Sanheim and Myers. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> so, like, like, don't forget that. Oh, no. I, I'm not, again, I'm not talking badly about Ivan Provorov no. in any way. I'm a little nervous about what's going to happen with him, but we'll see. But I'm just, what do we think about these combos and what their potentials are? I am, am really hesitant to compare them just because Sanheim and Myers both are just so much bigger than Ghost, and that makes an impact on the ice. Um, size matters. You heard it here first. I will never deny that. <laughs> you can't teach size. Um, I I want to say yes. In terms of offensive production from a defenseman, they absolutely take the cake. Like Myers and Sandheim are going to be better. 
Hopefully, Ooh, I don't. I don't know. I, I, yeah. You know, I'm I saying mean, that, and then I hesitate like, because Ghost is has insane. Se- Gossip Bear has 70 point potential. We've seen it. Yeah, and overall, again, has like, I, 17. I, you heard me pause while well, before I, I finished the sentence because I just I don't know. I don't know. I don't know. I again, not a bad problem to have. No. Uh, Charlie, I wanted to bring this up because it made me laugh, and I had to figure out a way to work Bryce Harper in here. Here we go, <laughs> Bryce Harper clicks. for the clicks, yeah. because this was this was very much a yeah, we got Bryce Harper. Now, how do we get Trout moment today? Like, we can't just sit there and enjoy what we have. We uh, obviously have never. to look ahead two, three years, whatever it is, to that looming expansion draft. Oh, and boy. you got a tweet this morning from Dan Silver about what they would po- uh, possibly do in terms of protection lists. Uh, and you wrote back in December, I believe, uh, how you think they're going to go the 4F4D route rather than the... Um... Yeah, yeah, in December, because we, we did like an site-wide athletic, you had to project out your team's expansion draft, and it was like, I basically was like, look, I can try, but the Flyers yeah, just mean... fire their GM. I don't, know <laughs> to, I don't know how they evaluate any of these guys right now, yeah. but I did, and basically what I said was that, look, I might be I might be being a little bit too optimistic here, but I really do believe that Phil Myers is going to establish himself as a legitimate top-four defenseman in the mm-hmm. NHL, and I think if he does, they will strongly consider going the, the eight-player route. Basically, you can then you can protect any combo of forwards and defensive whereas the other way you can do seven forwards three defensemen you get two more protection slots but you have to go with that play that uh position like type of distribution i said no i think that if if Provorov, Gossesbear, Sandheim, and Myers are all really good defensemen. I think they will keep all of them. Or they'll work out some sort of deal where they're not going to get taken That's, and pay him a draft pick or something. But I'm really hoping we do some sort of, hey, here's a little ransom for us keeping our I think guys. so. I think the, they're going to have to. The one point, though, I'll make about the expansion draft stuff is that I do think that I think fans obsess over it yes. a bit too much. No. Obsess is the word. We're talking about Hold three on. years ahead. They've a, been a talking about much? it for like two years. Well, it's it's just, like, could we please? I, I think it's it's not that... I understand why people want to talk about it because it's an interesting little thought experiment. It's always something to talk about. But the idea... like, I get maybe once a week a comment in my article being like, well, are they going to make roster decisions based on the expansion draft? Uh. It's like, no. <laughs> no, you don't do... like. What you do when you're building a team is you try to build the best team for next year. And if you're making a decision on like, well, you know, Joel Farabee's NHL ready, but we can't bring him up to the NHL to help the NHL team this year because, you know, he might get and might cause us to lose Oscar Limblom in two years. Like, no, you put the best team on the ice. And then when the expansion draft rolls around, you deal with the shit that you have yep. to deal with. You don't like... The idea of playing three-dimensional chess, like, anything can happen in two years to even the players who you think are locks. Like, I'm not saying it's going to happen, but, like, Jake Voracek could have a career-ending injury. And then it's like, well, then everything gets thrown, like, okay, now what do we do? So you can't can't make these assumptions on exactly who the protected players are going to be when you do not know how any of these players' careers are going to play out in the ensuing two years. Just put the best team on the ice, and then when the expansion draft rolls around, you figure it out. Do we know when the expansion draft is going to be? Is it 2021, I think? Yes. It's right after is that the lockout. Like, yeah. yeah, right after, right after the lockout. Yeah. I, like, Which, I just like, wanted a good Charlie lock- rant. But I knew like, I could get one out of it. <laughs> but like, seriously... There is going to be a lockout, probably, and it's going to be before the expansion draft. So this, like, everything could yeah, there change. There might be a big fantasy draft. The, 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 the yeah. sport might not be played on ice. Who the hell knows? <laughs> they've said it's going to be the same rules, but that's turn, just what they've said. They could, could blow the whole fucking highlight league. The team like, still doesn't have a name, nor do they have an arena. Like, let's. I thought they did. I thought they it's, were. Uh, they're renovating. It's, they're it's, renovating it's, the old shithole. They're working on the arena. Very yeah. in progress. <laughs> like. It, like they may as they well, they may be as well the not Supersonics just to say suck it to the end. <laughs> uh, next guy I want to know is this who he really is? Oscar Lindblom, 2014 fifth round pick. Ooh, what a find! 22 and a <laughs> half years old. First 45 games, he had 12 points. He had that epic 30 game goalless drought, and then 14 points in his last 20 games. That's a nice tidy seven tenths of a point a game. That's I mean that's a that's like what we th- like. Okay, if he works out, this is who he's gonna. And he's you know not even twenty three, and this is he's producing at that level. Can we expect like if Oscar Lindblom is a top six forward? Does that real that really makes things nice? Oscar Lindblom is the reason why Flyers fans got pissy that we didn't get a fifth round pick back from the yes. Cam Talbot trade. Yes, yes. 
I, uh, so I will never, like, I will never stop laughing. And it's funny now because of how everything played out, but I will never stop laughing at the fact that the final game of Dave Haxel's tenure, he scratched Oscar Lindblom. Oh my God, like, like, it was like, so no, good. Nothing could have been more perfect. It was like, the, it was just <laughs> Dave Haxel's tenure in a nutshell. I'm going to get fired, so I'm going to start Yuri Letera over Oscar <laughs> mm-hmm. Lindblom. Like, it was just mind-boggling. And and this goes back to kind of what I said about Sandheim, Your where it, it's all about the usage. Like, the, like Lindblom's usage in November into December under Haxel was absolutely batshit insane and made no sense at all by the same token like i am a huge oscar limlom fan i believe last year when when i when we did our our top prospect list i ranked him first over carter hart because my thing was i was certain that oscar limlom was going to be was going to be a useful middle sixer and carter hart was still a goalie so like i just didn't know Hmm. with with goalies it was midway through his like his big time breakout year so i am extremely high on oscar limlom that said i don't know there, there are players that you need to have on a good team. Players that you use them on your second or your third line, and they provide a crazy amount of value in that role. But they have limitations to the point where like, you don't really want to actually have them getting a ton of minutes. And I almost wonder if Limblom is kind of like that. Limblom's the kind of guy who, you, if you look at like advanced metrics, he's, he's always going to kill it. He's always going to drive flag because he's just so damn smart. He wins so many damn puck battles. He opens up space for the other players in his team. But like, I don't. Even if even if a value based metric were to say that Oscar Limblom is a first line caliber player, I wouldn't want to play him on my first no. line because he's not fast enough and he doesn't he doesn't do enough stuff with the puck. He does a ton of stuff away from the puck, and he he owns the net front area, but like. He doesn't create a lot of zone entries. Like he just he doesn't he's the perfect complimentary piece on a line. And that's great. And I love it. But I don't know if like I think if Oscar Limbaum's on your second line in the right fit, that's great. If Oscar Limbaum's on your third line, that's awesome. And when you talk about he doesn't create a lot of zone entries. Well, let's put him with Couturier and Vorich exactly. who do that. Exactly. And boom. Yeah. Okay. Now we're driving play and score. Like he's, and, a, he's a play driver. Yeah. I don't think he's a line driver. Okay. Yeah. I just, I, I'm just very much enjoying watching him play because nice. last year we were seeing, all right, he's not putting up points, but you can see he's going to, It's yeah. some, even if it's yeah. just streaky because he's constantly in scoring areas and I, I'm just enjoying it. I hope this continues. He's to me that complimentary piece where maybe true, whatever you get out of him, he's a third liner, but you can play him on that second line and it allows you the luxury of, hey, we have JVR on the third line where I think he, he you know, can he's really excel and boom, we have a top nine. Yeah. Yeah. I, I think, I think with Limblom, he's always going to be streaky. And yeah. my, my reasoning is that he doesn't really create his own shots. Like, he's always going to be dependent upon his line mates to get him points because he just doesn't have the the dynamic skill set to just do what Konechny did on Sunday where he just totally schools Scott Mayfield and then goes short side on the goalie. Like, Limbaum can't do that. He doesn't have that kind of speed. He doesn't have that kind of skill at speed to create consistently for himself. So he's always going to be streaky. So he's always going to be dependent on what his line mates can do. But when his line mates are clicking with him, he can do this. Yeah, and we saw it in a short spurt with that uh, Patrick can or. Patrick Voracek line, yeah, now it's yeah. carrying over with the Couturier Voracek line. Travis Konechny, 2015 first-round pick, 22 years old on March 11th. I gotta say, you know I love Ghost oh, and his 420 birthday, but TK being born on 311 day has skyrocketed <laughs> up my favorite player rankings. Oh, he's got a birthday and honestly, soon. Like, I feel like it fits his personality. It does. If he was alive in the mid-90s, he would have loved I feel like he wears a puka shell necklace. Oh, for sure. He absolutely has a couple. Um, (laughs) First 43 games, 23 points. And, you know, like over half a point a game, okay. But this is a guy who at 5-on-5 in the second half of last season was producing at a level of Taylor Hall and Nathan McKinnon, like the MVP candidates. And he started out this year slow, as he did last year. 19 points in his last 23 games. That's the kind of production I think we came into this season hoping from him. And he's scrapping. He really Ooh, is. He doesn't win many fights, but I fell down a hockeyfights.com uh, rabbit hole with him. <laughs> nice. And whenever, like, for a team that doesn't jump guys when their players get boarded, he does. He does. And you know, maybe I don't want you know, my first or second line right wing, right winger, whatever you want to call him, doing that. But 
I like it. It's good. It's fun. I'm I don't want that happens. to leave his game. Yeah, yeah I, it's, I enjoy it's, his scrappiness. You need one of those on a yeah, team. A little bulldog. Yeah, you need it. And he's doing it well. So do we, like, Travis Konechny, is this and the second half, like, is he just another slow starter? What What no. the hell is Travis Konechny? Uh, another guy who is, had a shit first half. Can we just? I, I mean, he didn't really have a bad Dave Hackstall. I don't know. I don't know how to blame him for this. I don't think <laughs> I he had. A, try. I don't think he had a bad first half. I think the it was what's interesting about Konechny is that his first half he was driving play really well, wasn't scoring a lot. His second half he's scoring a lot, not driving play really well. So I just it, he he kind of for me falls in the same realm as Patrick, where like he is. We'll see. Yeah, like I mean, he, they're both good. Yeah, I I just with Konechny like I kind of got sucked into the same trap last year with Konechny as I did with Patrick, where I watched their second halves and I'm like, man, they're going to be really good next yeah. year. And now they're just kind of doing it again, just to, in a slightly different way. Like, I think Konechny is a good second line winger, and I'm hoping that at some point in his 20s he turns into an undoubted, like a no doubt about it, first line winger. Right now, I think he's a second line right winger, and that's fine. I mean, as a late first round pick, that's a really good outcome. And, and the second and, and, pick and, and, of a second yeah. first round. And you, as you said, like there's that chippiness. That's another element that adds value that doesn't necessarily come through the numbers. And I think he's going to do that more now. I almost wonder if there's something to be said on a hockey team where, like, when one guy has a role, another guy who could take that role kind of defers to the older guy who's mm-hmm. had it. Mm-hmm. And I was curious as to what was going to happen when they traded Simmons. Is like, okay, well, who's going to step into that vacated role? Who's going to do some of the stuff that everybody just assumes Simmons would do? So you didn't do it because well, Wayne's going to do it. And I think what's interesting is I did not expect Travis Connecting to be the guy who was going to step into the like, yeah, I'm going to like fuck shit up sometimes. And he is. And yeah. it's really neat. I'm going to deviate a minute. Just because you just talked about um, players assuming new roles when veterans leave. And we've talked about this briefly, I think more off the air than anything. The fact that Jake uh, has been passed over for a letter a couple of times. And now Simmons is gone. There's another alternate captain named. And it's finally given to Jake. Yeah, what fair. did we make of that? <laughs> well, I wrote, I wrote the article that announced it on Broad Street Hockey. And the title was Jake Voracek feasts on the remains of Wayne Simmons. <laughs> <Gosh>. <laughs> I just I, I found that interesting because I don't know if we ever really think of Jake as a leader, even though I he, definitely is, do. he is oftentimes outspoken, and I appreciate that about him. He's it, one of the best players on the team. I, I definitely think of him as a leader um, because he's outspoken. I mean, he's a guy who's going to tell you what no, it's like, no matter team, what it is, and a, some people need that. On a team devoid of quotes, he'll <laughs> give you one. But I, I, I imagine he's the same way with the team. Yeah, I assume so, that like, as if well. So if you have a shit night... He's going to tell you, when but they, he's also going to tell you, like, it's okay. Like, they, life goes on. When they had their big come-to-Jesus meeting last year where they all got shit-faced and basically called <laughs> each other out, I just assumed it was Jake <laughs> oh, God. pounding beers, being like, oh, you yeah. all fucking suck. <laughs> that feels right. <laughs> it's me, and it's G, and a bunch of losers. <laughs> and I don't fault him for that, because it's true. Uh, and ghosts. Most of the, yeah, but, like, most of their tenure, it's been those two, yeah. and then, like, dragging the remains of whatever around. But, yeah, now, back to the, is this who they really are? We've been talking about him, alluding to everyone else. But Nolan Patrick, as we know, 2017, first-round pick, 21 and a half years old, first 38 games, 11 points. Is that good? 15 points in his last 21. This, uh, what, like, how does this happen with all these guys? <laughs> like, this is the only thing that you can point to with Dave. Like, but well, the also, fact is they all did it last year, too. Also, Hextall. I mean, he's the one who drafted them. So if this is uh, the kind of I guy, can't... I mean, I'm going to dunk on all of them because if you expect me to say anything bad about Noel Patrick, like, I, I'm sorry, but as, you've come to the wrong place. As much as I want to push buttons with the Pedersen stuff, like... Patrick was the pick. There was yeah. yeah, for sure. Our bar, we were at Smith's. They were In chanting fact, we Nolan were. Patrick like yep. the loudest shit I've ever heard. Yes. Like, and the, it, he was the guy. Two bad first halves, two good second halves, at least through, you know. The hope is that he can put it together. The hope is that next season, when the season actually counts, that he can he can get it together. And I think that, I'm hopeful that he can. I think that, like, with Nolan, I want... It's a big reason why I want them to get an, another top six center this offseason. It's because I want them 
and, and this is something we alluded to on the last show. It's one of the reasons why I'm sort of coming around on the Duchesne thing, even though I don't I don't absolutely love him as a player. But one of the reasons why I'm starting to to come around on the idea is because he can play both center and wing. Mm-hmm. So what you can do is you can have him as your two C for now, use Patrick as your three, and then when Patrick one year just is like, oh by the way, I'm really good now, then you can just move him to wing. Mm-hmm. So it kind of it st- like from a from a roster fit standpoint, he kind of works, and I really do I don't want to go in next season with Nolan Patrick as the 1C or the 2C on this team. I want him as the third line center and I don't want Claude Giroux back at center. Yeah, I'm 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 good on G at center. This it just I I don't like it. I just don't like it anymore. His time for that is over. Someone else has to do that. Um yeah, uh, Nolan Patrick, it's something you wrote in the outline. I don't know if you said it explicitly, but you talked about the Duchesne thing like I, I don't want to fall into this trap of, yes, Nolan Patrick is 2C, exactly. absolutely. Yeah, no. And then we get three months of 11 points yep. in 40 games, yep. and, yep. oh, yes, we are uh, 40 games under 500. <laughs> and we have to go on an incredible run just to be at the bubble. Uh, so I, I'm really enjoying what I'm seeing out of Nolan Patrick, but we can't go into next season thinking, yeah, he figured it out. Maybe he has. We'll, if he has, awesome. That means we have three good centers. Exactly. But mm-hmm. they, and uh, Charlie rip my heart out by saying Tyler Johnson won't get it done. Uh, but no, I would, I would prefer Matt Duchesne or Braden Point or someone like that, but like I was, that's just my thinking down the line what could happen. Uh, it was just an example. But yeah, I, I, they need insurance for Nolan Patrick having a first half as his first two first halves have gone. Yeah. All right, guys. This is the one I've been looking forward to because we have one big fan of this player. And <laughs> I wouldn't say that at all. Uh, Charlie just says, we got to have the Robert Haig debate. I asked, is this really a debate? No, like, he sucks. But I don't know if he sucks. He sucks. He's just... Whatever. Well, I'm I, done okay. now. You can go away. Since since the start of, yeah. of 2019, he has sucked. Yeah. I don't know if I, if I am of the opinion that he is an actively bad true talent player but since january he's been bad and alex applegaard posted these uh these numbers before sunday's game i think it was sunday morning and like i knew they were i i knew his numbers were bad yeah, i didn't realize the, they were this bad get the rankings just so like, like right so my core c4 percentage 40.22 201st out of 202 nhld men scoring chance four percentage 38.38 Dead last out of 202 D-men. High danger. This was the scariest one. High danger chance percentage. 32.70. The other team is getting two out of every three yeah, high danger chances when he's on the ice. Like, Seems bad. Robert, what, what's going on, man? Because in the beginning of this year, he looked like he was turning a corner. That that October, he looked good. No, I was singing the praises of Haig uh, in the first month of the season. Not many things were going well in the first month of this season. <laughs> and it was like, hey, Robert Haig, he's putting up points. He doesn't yeah. look terrible. But yeah, he's just on a team of now guys who can move the, like, we're now seeing a bunch of players who can move the puck who have strong two-way games, and he is not one of them right now. No. And, like, again, I would rather, if we're just talking about pure lineup decisions for the rest of this year, I would rather see Robert Haig play than Andrew McDonald because Andrew McDonald is not getting any better. Haig's still a young guy. He still could be something more than he is. But moving forward, am I like, yes, Robert Haig is on my team? <sighs> I feel like the only reason we've even gotten such a long look at him is that he's like an extremely Dave Hackstall player. Yes. Like he does what he's supposed like he does what he's told poorly, but he's doing what he's told, so it's cool. We're gonna keep him in the lineup. I just I mean, God, I'd rather see Mark Friedman. But with it, there's one thing to be said, and while these I like the numbers. I appreciate numbers. Charlie's numbers. However, <laughs> what happens, happens. And what has happened in Haig's two years. Team's plus six with him on the ice. 89-83. Are you plus minusing me right now? I'm going all si- I think this is all situations, right? No, yeah, it's no, five just on five, five on five. Just At five, five on five, 89-83, they've outscored opponents when he's on the ice. I'm just saying... Isn't if that what luck, matters, Charles? I, is that luck? We got a pretty big sample here. Probably, so, but but we don't know for like there's there's some things that probably aren't captured by the numbers well enough yet. Right. So advanced stats. Now this is the only thing that I have to say in defense of Robert Haig. Um, advanced stats don't know how to capture defense. Like just period. They, they don't, don't know how to capture defense. Not as well. As, um, no, no, like they just period. They don't know how to capture defense. You ba- yeah, you basically capture like it by the, like by looking at what what happened, what happens not by on, what he did, right? Yeah. Which like it's not much of a, a a 
good job, Robert. Like I'm not yeah. I'm not really in his corner. I I just and def- he's like he's not having a great season. A good it, stay-at-home defenseman. I, I got I got a whole lot of nothing here. A good stay-at-home defenseman will take away some like the hypothetical thing didn't happen. So it's hard. Oh, yeah. the high like so, but when you see the high danger chance for percentages and shit like that, you're like, well, that's the you're supposed happening. to not. Yeah, yeah so. you're supposed to not just, let that I happen. No, no, I, I don't know either. And that's why I put this on here. It's like yeah. you know, you, you do when the numbers are this. You know, when the when the goal numbers and the shot numbers are this like different in terms of the picture they paint of a player. Like, yes, it's it most likely his future goal numbers are going to be bad if he keeps yeah. doing this. Most likely. Because that's the way it is for, you know, 97 out of 100 players. But there are probably some players that we do not have the the expected goal quality, you know, metric that, that can literally account for everything. We don't have it yet. And maybe by that yet-to-be-discovered metric, Haig actually is okay. So I, you can't rule that possibility out entirely. And it has been two years that the Flyers have outscored the opposition when he's on the ice. And that's not something you can just toss out the window. You could be extremely skeptical of it, but coaches seem to like him. Mm-hmm. He does. He does do what he's told. Uh, coaches like Andrew McDonald too. Yeah, right. but Andrew McDonald was just bad. Now this is something. <laughs> this is something you guys got into a bit last week. Just talking about like the difference between a Ryan. Were we done about Robert Hague? No, I'm still okay. talking about Robert Hague. Some the difference between a Ryan Hartman hit and oh, right. a Robert oh, yeah, Hague yeah, yeah. hit. I'm gonna say you're not allowed to say the words hit that. or physical. Tell me what Robert Haig does well. I think that he's probably a good complementary piece on a pairing. Like a third pairing. It doesn't I don't care. It's still an no, NHL I, pairing. If he's your sixth defenseman, you he's, could probably live with it. I, I think that, you know, but he's probably he's not pushing the needle with any pairing, but I I don't know I don't know because I haven't looked at it because I haven't cared to look at it but I don't know what his numbers look like what the pairing numbers looks like as opposed to individual numbers. My, I'll say about Haig I think he's better he's got a better set of physical tools than people give him credit for. He's a good skater. He's actually pretty decent at activating into the offensive zone. He doesn't he, he, he maybe doesn't do it a lot, but he does seem to pick his spots fairly well. Like I, that's one of the reasons why I I'm, I'm still like I'm not ready to just toss him aside, you know, for like just oh he's just bad because like the skills aren't they're they're there. They're obviously not on the level of a Sanheim Myers no. Gossip Pro Row, but like he's not Nicholas Grossman from a skill set uh. standpoint. You look at him and you're like, I think you can make something out of this guy. I just don't know if they can, but you would think theoretically you could. And when we hear about uh like what's his name? Rick Wilson and how he's a good defensive coach, it's like, all right, all these other guys are really blossoming right now and Robert Haig Look at these numbers since January 1st. 201 out of 202. 200 out of 202. 202 out of 202. 202 out of... Like, he's dead last. And it's then, Yeah, and it's notable that Haig was being used as a second-pair defenseman under Haxtell in terms of minutes, and he's been used as basically the number six since Wilson issued. God, I have missed... Shitting on Dave Haxtell. <laughs> this has been it's a pretty really, anti-Dave Haxtell really show. Has. It's really taken a lot out of our show not to be able to do it. I'm glad we can go back to the first this. half. And so we can get back to... <laughs> we're playing the hits. We're, we're playing, playing the hits. hits. Something just like Robert Haig. You know, play the hits. Um, <laughs> oh, God. No, I didn't no, like that one. Watching Haig in the offensive zone, when we talk about uh, his assessment when he was with the Phantoms... And how it was like he needs to just be more aggressive. It was like, oh well, he's you know leads the league and hits. I guess he's aggressive enough. To me, watching what he can do on offense and seeing how he never does it, like, do that more. That's where you need to be more aggressive because, like you just said, is he makes plays sometimes. You yeah. go, where was that? Yeah, like that was the last high skill games. play. Yeah. yeah. I, so I. I want to see, I guess, more out of Haig if we're going to do this, especially if it's going to be seven defensemen, which we'll get to. <sighs> we can do that now, I guess. Yeah, let's do that now. So this this seven forward, 11, uh, 11 forward, 7D thing. Um, Charlie said the 7D thing was a one-off last week's show. They did it again, of course, because Voracek was hurt. Uh, my question is just like, why? Are their 11th and 12th forwards <laughs> absolutely useless? Can I, can I read right? my response? Yeah, no, you're... My, my response is like... 
It's like, but yeah, but like, why? Because their 11th and 12th forwards are fucking Phil Veroni yeah. and Corbin Knight. And, and neither, like, neither of them are they? NHL players. Again, now that we're going to play the hits, like when we're talking about the 11th and 12th forwards, I don't give a shit if Phil Myers is playing and Andrew McDonald. Like, I don't care what the 11th and 12th forwards are. <laughs> <laughs> I am, I'm beyond it. I'm beyond nitpicking the 11th and 12th forwards when I'm getting everything else I want. But it is like they send down Justin Bailey and Corbin Knight and Phil Veroni are here. It's like, yeah, we're just going to go 7-D because uh, what's the difference? I will say, and this is what I said, I'm going to stick up for Andrew McDonald in the lineup. I know we don't want to see McDonald in the lineup, but who cares if the 11th forward isn't, or the 12th forward isn't dressed? I mostly agree with that. Uh, earlier in last week's show, you established there weren't really any Phantoms you'd like to see beyond just not Knight of Rooney. <laughs> so what's the difference if Andy plays 10 minutes over guys who don't contribute? So the only thing with the 11 forward things for me is... When there's like, an injury. Exactly. Like the other night when you're suddenly down two guys immediately and then it's like, oh, f- shit. Things now can those, get bad quickly. And now when it's like, oh, well, the fourth line, two of those yeah, guys only play right. eight minutes anyway. But it's like, oh, we really miss those eight minutes when it's we're giving four extra to two other guys now. Yeah. I get that. But they also crushed in that game. Yeah. Like they, there was no, there were no negative impacts from the, the I don't forwards. Know if you can expect that to be the case all the time. Well, no, no, but no they I, did. I mean, this is the the team that was first place in the Metro, and they destroyed. Them. Yeah, but they actually suck. I don't know. They're if still it's, first place in the Metro. I don't. Second place now. now they're in second. My bad. I don't know if it's ideal to go. Oh, it's certainly 11 not. Eleven four seven D eighty two games. No, but if they do it thirty out of like, I won't give a shit. Like. Uh, uh, Thirty is too many. I don't care. Like if it's ten, it's just it's annoying. It's annoying because I don't know. I just like how because like it's acknowledging that the bottom six sucks. Yeah, it's acknowledging that. All right, well, we don't necessarily want to have some of these defensemen out for twenty minutes a night. In their last eight games, they've gone seven D three times. The first one was Myers' debut. He played ten minutes, barely six, and that was just to get him in. Yeah, the next game, Myers is scratched, but then Radko gets suspended, so they go six D twice in a row with Myers in there. Uh, then they go seventy against Sabers. Andy plays my nine minutes. Veroni sits sixty again. Andy scratched sixty again. Andy scratched. Then they use seventy against the Islanders because Voracek was out. Uh, McDonald plays ten minutes. Where's Samuel Moran? So he, I believe, he was officially activated off of injury reserve last week. Right but, before the deadline, I think. No, no. For a while, even after the, the deadline, he was still on IR. Oh, was he? I yeah. thought it was before the... I mean, he, he was on the team, but he wasn't yeah. He wasn't okay. actually able to play. I believe he's been officially activated now, so now he could theoretically play. I guess the question is, and you know, we're, we talked earlier about the playoffs, and, well, they're probably not going to make it, but hey, maybe they could. Do you really want to throw in a guy who hasn't played hockey really, aside from, like, one or two rehab games in the AHL, do you really want to throw him in to start in the middle of even a long-shot playoff race? That's what Sammy Carcitti just tweeted it seconds I'm just, ago. I'm Wait, just what, thinking, is that what he said? He probably won't play unless the Flyers fall out of the playoff. Yeah, that's that's kind mm-hmm. of what I'm my read on the situation. I'm just thinking, if we're going to go 7-D every now and then, and one guy's going to play 9 or 10 minutes, throw why, out not, it, why, not, why yeah. not it be Samuel Moran? I mean, it see. should. It should be. I, I just... I don't yeah, know. How much garbage, worse could he be than Andrew McDonald? Guys. If we be. finally have a coach who's recognizing McDonald is not good because he scratched him a bunch of times and in the games with 7D, he's played him 9 or 10 minutes. So we've acknowledged that he's not very good. Finally, Scott Gordon for president. I don't care if you're the coach of the team or not, but you could be president. Oh, absolutely. <laughs> he's, yeah. he's U.S. born. Yeah, why not? Yeah. He's actually, oh, actually oh, eligible. Yes. We've already, we've already <laughs> he's one of the few coaches that is a Canadian. Where he's so. from. Oh, um, oh, my God, Bill. I know. Whatever. People know what I actually think, so I can say that stuff because it's yeah. funny. Uh, but now, but I just want to know where the hell Samuel Moran is. But I, I, it I makes would, sense. I get it. Coaches won't do that, but they should. I would love to see it, and we all know that I'm uh, uh, I'm very high on Samuel Moran. Um, even if it's just like four minutes a night, throw him out there for the PK, make him play the entire two minutes. It's fine. 
So I'm, now, yeah, I mean, I, yeah. I no, I mean, I've said on this show before that one of the one of the biggest points in my mind, and this goes back to a discussion we had a few minutes ago. One of the biggest points in my mind in favor of Sam Moran is that I do believe that there's a feeling among the Flyers, people in the Flyers organization, like, well, we need one of these like defensively oriented stay at home guys, and like if Robert Haig is just bad, yeah. I would like like maybe Moran is better. <laughs> and and that's I mean, that, that, and that's upgrading draft. a spot they're from that the, they could use an upgrade at. They're from the Maybe. same draft. They took Moran in the first and Hagen the second. You would think he's better. I know that's not how it always works out. I mean, yeah. we'll see. I'm just saying. Maybe. It could very well be. Uh, now I want to get to Scott Gordon now that we're talking about him. How much credit do you want to give him for overseeing the turnaround of the players we talked about earlier? All these young guys who... They're breaking out under him, and they're and it's led to the Flyers' own turnaround. Like I've said a bunch of times, if this was just Claude Giroux having a bunch of three-point nights and dragging a mediocre team, I'd be like, all right, whatever. It's Claude Giroux. He's a stud. I mean, it would be, it would be fun. Oh, it would be fun. <laughs> no, I just mean in terms of like what this team is going forward. I agree. And who the, what the coach is doing. I don't think the coach had very much or very anything to do at all with what happened in the second half last year. It was just like Giroux scored a hat trick on the last day of the season. So we got to go to the playoffs. What is Scott Gort like? Do we credit him? Is it just that he's not Dave Haxtell? Yeah. We talked about how that's you know, part of it. There, there are certain things sure. he does better. Certain, but I like his willingness to try shit. Yeah. Like while we don't love it, yeah, we're just gonna go with seven D. Yeah, we're gonna try a five five forward power play because the power play sucks. I like that he's at least willing I to try. I forgot they did shit. that. Yeah, I mean it's it's pretty clear that he's good at developing these young guys. He did it well in the AHL, and he built I think some rapport with a lot of the guys that are up here now. And yeah, he's not Dave Haxtell. He's not <laughs> actively making their lives miserable. And I think there is something to be said about that: the fact that he communicates well with both the team and the media. The fact that he. Seems to be a pretty likable guy. He's funny. Like, I, I don't think that's a small thing. Like, personality matters at work. If you have a yeah. boss that's a nightmare, you're going to be miserable. Yeah, I, I agree. Like, these guys, you, you can see the difference. They don't hate playing hockey, and they did under yeah, Hackstall. For yeah. sure. Yeah, I think he deserves I think he deserves a ton of credit mm-hmm. for getting the young players to play better. Giving I, them... That, and and that, that's maybe the most important part about the second half, because the chances of them making the playoffs after the first half they did were pretty much slim to none, so it was kind of like, alright, well, let's try to save these kids. The one thing I will say, though, about Gordon, because I talked about earlier about how, you know, there's some things that Haxel was better at, and there's some things that Gordon was better at. The one thing that I do believe Haxel was significantly better at than Gordon is systems. I think Haxel's systems were more effective at the NHL level than Gordon's have been, and that's something, like, if you look at the underlying numbers, Hack versus Gordon... Hack's numbers are better, mm-hmm. with the exception of goals, like goal differential. That was because the goalies were god awful, and Carter Hart came in the day they fired Dave Haxtell, <laughs> and everything changed. So, like, I actually think Haxtell was probably a better systems coach. Unfortunately, he just could not communicate. People, the guys knew, I guess, what they were, I guess they knew what they were supposed to do, and they could execute it in a way that the team produced decent results. But he wasn't getting the most out of the individuals. I yeah, wish we could yeah. find a way to have, like, you know, take the good parts of both of them and combine them into one super coach. Yeah, and his personnel choices were garbage. Oh yeah, right. Exactly. Like Absolutely. nobody Absolutely. gives a shit about Jordi Latera having fall, a good season. Like yeah. that's the thing, and fall in love with these things. Like I said, when the eleventh and twelfth forwards are my biggest concerns, I have no concerns. <laughs> I don't care. I'm not going to be like Toronto fans freaking out about Connor Brown. Like it's not going to be my. That's not going to be the be all end all to me. I'm go- I'm going to be cool with well, it. You better start caring, or else we're not going to have a show. <laughs> I'm going to be cool with it. I'll be the one who says I don't give a shit, and you can all tell me how wrong I am. That's fine. Mm. You can tell me I'm wrong for an hour. It's a good it's, show. It's a lot I'm like very on board. It's a with lot that. like off the air. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, how, what's the likelihood you think Scotty Boy comes back? None. Um, I, as as the head coach, oh yeah, as the head coach, no, I don't think so. I assistant, I would like actually. I I would really like to keep him around as an mm-hmm. assistant coach. I um, want to give the next coach complete autonomy over his assistant. Same. That's the thing. Yes. I don't want to saddle the next coach, whether it's Quenville or someone I don't even know about. No, that's fair. That's I, fair. I don't want to saddle him with Ian LaPerriere again. Ooh. No, no, but I mean, it's it's. I think it's fair that someone like Quenville could come in here and be like, okay, you turn this team if around he wants for a to bit. Keep I him like. Awesome. Uh, yeah, I would like to keep you around in like a you know not. Ian LaPerriere, so you can be the penalty kill coach. I, I think that uh, Dave Scott is going to want to make a make 
a lot of big That's, splashes yeah. this summer, yeah. and I think that the head coach is oh, just oh, one of gonna, the areas. They're going to try to get Joel Quenville. There's too many big uh, names my, out there. He's going to have his pick of jobs. Mm-hmm. If he if they have a big interview process, Quenville ends up somewhere else where he thinks he can win a cup faster. That's just what happens. He's going to have his pick of jobs. If they do a big interview process and come to the conclusion Scott Gordon's the best guy for the job, I'm not going to complain. You know yeah. what the, the the one point I I do want to make about the the Quenville stuff because this is something that we talked about after the you know the the drama of the coaching thing went into play. One of the things we were we kind of fretted about after that whole thing fell through was the you know what if Joel Quenville like looks at the Flyers and doesn't want to coach this team because it's a total mess and just you know there was so much going on like if anything this second half has gone yeah. a long way towards being like hey Joel. You like Carter Hart? Mm. You like all these young kids? Look at you these like the shiny $20 toys. million dollars worth of cap space we have and we're going to spend this summer? Like, hey, come to Philly. Like, This has been about as ideal of a sales yeah. pitch to Joel Quenville yeah. as the Flyers could have possibly done in the second half. And Yo. also Bryce Harper. No, I And also Bryce Harper. <laughs> Vegas Golden all the big fans. names are going to come here. Uh, quickly, because we have like a minute. Brian Elliott, you guys talked about him last week. But I love him. He continues to play well. We know. Do we think this Do we think this work? <laughs> like, what is up with this workload? What? 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 I what? Mean, why whatever. are we still talking about the workload? Who cares? He's yeah, playing I don't really well. care. He's playing well. Who cares? And we don't need need him to be healthy for the future. <laughs> yeah, so. I'm, I'm happy with Do him being able to audition for a job. Back. No, I think I, I would say the only way is if he continues to play this well down the stretch, and Talbot absolutely sucks. Because I think if Talbot absolutely sucks, they're not going to want to resign him. Do we have an update on Hart? Do we know when uh, he'll be back? He will be out for at least another week. I think they're going to take their time. I was going to say, I kind yeah. of just hope Fine. they don't May, play him for the rest of the year. Yeah, I was no. the same way. Fine. Like, take let's be real easy with I'd our like golden boy. I'd like to see him play, don't get me wrong, but I don't... I mean, I was saying the know, same thing about Nolan Patrick. Whatever. Like, it's fine. Just sit. Sit, right, sit guys, and be go still. Go to sleep in yeah. the dark. You're fine. That <laughs> is all the time we have for you on BSH Radio this week. Thank you so much for joining us. Thanks for hanging out live on Facebook for all of you who did such a thing. My name is Bill Matz. For Kelly, for Steph, for Charlie... Have a great week, everybody. Are you ready to talk about it?